giving them all they could want, feeding all their appetite. They were living like there was no tomorrow. And in a somber and painful way for them, James informs them, you may have overindulged today, but it is all going to be gone very soon. The day of miseries is coming, he says. And we see their response. He says their response will be weeping and howling, crying out for those things that would be taken away from them. Those things that they were holding so tightly. Those things that they loved. Now understand with me today, and we've said this many times, and we'll say it again today, there was nothing wrong with them having things. In fact, we find in the scriptures that one of the possible blessings from God is the blessing of material wealth, the blessing of things that God can give us. Job was a righteous man that the Bible tells us ran from evil and he had an abundance of things. He he was a a wealthy man by, by all of the standards of that day. And some would say, well, yeah, he had a lot of wealth, but God took it all away. (laughs) I mean, clearly God wasn't for wealth. Well, no, 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 that's true. That did happen. But but the problem is, is you didn't read the rest of the book. You see, there's 42 chapters in the book of Job, and we always focus all our attention on those first two. Those are the only ones that we talk about. In fact, as you make your way through the rest of those chapters and you find as, as Job's friends come and, and they make accusations about him and Job rebuts them and they go back and forth for quite some time, you get to the end and then finally God speaks <laughs> and uh, he really shuts things down. And he's like, listen, don't you understand I'm in control of everything? And it's a powerful thing whenever he gets to that part. But you come to the end of, of Job's life in the last verses of Job and Job who had everything taken away, you come to Job 42 And in verse number 12, it says, So the Lord blessed the latter of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 she-asses. Now, I'm not a farmer or a rancher, okay? But my father-in-law is a rancher, and I know what that sounds like to me. sounds like a lot of work, okay? That's what it sounds like to me. So somewhere in there, it also says that uh, it doesn't actually mention it, but you can mark it down, he had a lot of servants. That's what it came down, a lot of ranch hands, all right? And, uh, I mean, he had a lot. And it says this, he, he also had seven sons and three daughters. The blessing of, of family was, was considered one of the wealthiest things that a person could have. And he called the name of, uh, he also has three daughters. He, he called the name of his first daughter, Jemima. I think she went on to become a syrup uh, connoisseur. I don't know. But uh, uh, the name of the second, Keziah, and the name of the third, Karen Hepach. How would you like those names? All right. And in, the, in all the land, were no women found as fair as, as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. Uh, this was unusual. Usually ladies, the girls didn't get the inheritance. But, but, I mean, he had enough wealth that he spread it to all of his children. And after this, Job lived 140 years. And saw his son's sons, even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. You see... The, the material possessions, the material wealth was a blessing from God. It doesn't mean that, that things in and of themselves are a bad thing. Praise God whenever God blesses us with material wealth. In fact, every person in this room is by the world standards. I mean, we're materially wealthy. I don't think there's anybody out living under the bridge that came in this morning. I don't know if you do, you know, talk to me and we'll see if we can help you out. But I mean, that's... 
That's just the world that we live in. If you went to a third world country, we would understand what it means to truly be, be poor. And, and, and so we enjoy wealth. And, and, and listen, if you don't like the things that you have, feel free to give them to me. Okay? I mean, that's fine with me. But listen, that, that, it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. The key was, was the fact that it, it wasn't that the people had riches. The problem was that the riches had them. See, in, James, or in 1 John 2.15, the Bible tells us, love not the world. They, they loved their things. He said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, love of the Father is not in him. In 1 Timothy chapter number 6, he says this, for the love of money. You've heard it said so many times, okay? So many people will say, well, money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's the key. Where our love, our passion is. James makes clear that those things that they had loved so much had a shelf life. Your riches are corrupt. Your garments are moth-eaten, he says in verse 2. Your gold and silver is cankered, he says. Listen, the rust of them will witness against you and shall eat your flesh as if it were fire. You're heaped tre treasures together for the last days. He says, listen, you've got all these things, but they're all going to fade away. They won't last. All those things that you are holding on to so tightly, and you won't let go, and you love them, they're going to fade away. James wrote these words. It's interesting. He wrote them in a tense, in a Greek tense that's, that basically means it's as good as already done. When he says that in verse number two, your riches are corrupted. Your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are cankered. Oh, he was saying it in a sense, even though maybe they were holding it there in their hand, they could reach in their pockets, they could fill their gold and they could fill their silver. They could look at their, their clothing and they didn't have any holes in it. What was he, what was he talking about? I mean, they, 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 they could take all their riches and, and they weren't fading away right now. But God says they're as good as God if that's your love. If that's what you're holding on to. And oh, you see the sorrow and the pain that it caused them. Oh no! Weeping, howling, he says. Because of the things that weren't going to last. See, it's a glimpse into the eyes of God and how he views those things that we so often hold dearly. They're just material things that pass away. They're just items that he gives us to steward for a time. How many of you have ever gotten a new car or a new to you car right okay uh, maybe you didn't spend fork out the you know the 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 payment that's the equivalent of a house to buy one but but but, but maybe you, you you got something that was a new to you car or a new to you truck i mean we're in montana we're men here all right you know not not all i mean most of the men in montana are men and some of the women are too it just is what it is okay we're, we're, we're tough right and so we drive trucks with four-wheel drive and uh, we had uh, had a sunday just a few few sundays ago where it snowed and, and i went out and took a picture and mine all the way across the front we're all four-wheel drive all-wheel drive vehicles and so i mean it's just we live in montana it's the way that it is and uh, you know but maybe you've experienced that before where you've sat down in a vehicle, and it's, and it's new to you. And it's like, man, this just feels nice. Luxury, right? You know, you get in there, and it's just, 
you know, you just feel, I mean, everything's just right. The truck that I have right now is, is it's a blessing. We saved up for a long time. We're able to pay cash for it. And, uh, I got this truck, and the guy that owned it before me, uh, he, he made a lot of money, apparently, and so he just wasted things, wasted on frivolous things. And thankfully, some of that was on his truck. And so he put nice rims on it and things like that. But one of the coolest things is he put a subwoofer all the way to the cross the back seat of my truck. Now that doesn't mean anything to some of you, but for me, this was a dream come true, okay? I mean, growing up, I mean, like it was my dream that one day I would have a truck that I could pull up beside some of the guys and they'd be jamming their music or whatever, and I could roll my windows down and totally blow them out, you know? And, uh, and now I have that truck, it's so cool. If you ever want an experience of a lifetime, you can come. Uh, just a few weeks ago when my parents were here, my dad was back in there, and uh, I don't know, my phone just came connected to something and just started playing something and like all of a sudden it was just like ah! and my dad was in the back and I, he reached for the door handle to jump out of the truck and stare at me. I mean it's cool right we probably all experienced at one point or another having that that feeling of, oh yeah this is this is nice but here's what I found out after having this truck for almost a year and a half things go wrong with it right <laughs> And I found this, the newer your vehicle, the more expensive things cost, all right? And uh, that's the way that it goes. And all of a sudden, that thing that was so nice, you find out that it starts to fade away. And I'm, the other day, I'm out there, and I'm looking, and I'm like, man, the, this tire is starting to go bald, and I just put tires on this thing. What are you talking about? This is crazy. You know, I can't believe I'm going to buy more tires. You know, this is unbelievable. What happened? They fade away. They don't last forever. In our life, so many times we hold so dearly, so tightly to some things. To the point that we love them. And God says, don't you understand? It's all just going to fade away. It's all just something that I'm giving you for a time. That you can use and steward it for right now so that you can get over here and, and you can serve me over here. See, in James 5, these rich, rich people had to place all their confidence in what they had accumulated. And James says, you might as well start weeping and howling now because all those things you love will be gone. In God's eyes, your riches are corrupt, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust will be a witness against you about it. See, the love is not supposed to be in the things that you can accumulate or possess. In Luke chapter number 12, verse number 15, he said unto them, Take heed, beware of covetousness, because a man's life consists not in the abundance of things which he possesses. It's not about what we can gain, what we can accumulate. And today, if we could bring the old rust to the stand, the Bible tells us that it would speak out against these rich people, against us today, and it would give a testimony that the focus of their love was on the things they could possess. But then it says this, secondly, we find the treatment of the fellow man. Not only would the rust testify and say, listen, I'm going to tell you where your love is. It's on things. He says, let me tell you a little bit about how they treated their fellow man. Look at verse number four. He says this, behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. 
crieth. And the cries of them which reaped have entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Verse number six, you've condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. See, their misplaced love of things resulted in a mistreatment of people. In verses 4 and 6, it gives us the idea here that they were willing to defraud the people that were working for them. They, 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 they cheated them. They would call them up and say, hey, listen, if you come and, and, uh, and, and you will work for me, I will pay you this amount. And so they would come and they would work. And at the end of the day, they'd look and say, yeah, you know, uh, you did a pretty good job. But, you know, I'm not going to pay you the full thing. I'm going to pay you this much. And they would defraud them of the amount that they said that they would need to keep them. And they'd keep the rest back for themselves. Their riches, their wealth had been ill-gotten. It had been gotten by cheating and by stealing and by defrauding, he says. In fact, it was to the place that whenever somebody uh, wouldn't pay them or somebody wouldn't give them the money that they thought that they deserved, that they would take them to court, the Bible says, and they would have them oftentimes persecuted in prison and sometimes killed. The ultimate level of a misplaced love is when possessions take priority over God and people. We say that again. When the, that the ultimate example of a misplaced love is when possessions take priority over God and over people. When we hold our things to a higher love than we do the people that are around us. And that's exactly what these people were doing. You know, the truth is it's more common than what we think. You don't have to look any further than Jesus' own 12 disciples. See, Judas was the man that was in charge of the money in their group. He was the treasurer. You know, that tells me a couple things. It tells me one thing. It tells me that he was trusted. That he had a persona that, that the disciples believed they could trust. Nobody had a problem with, with Judas being the one that, that held the money in the group. He had a good, looked good for everybody. But he was dishonest. See, we get a glimpse of the heart of Judas just days before Christ's crucifixion. Jesus and his disciples were in the home of Simon the leper. And that's such a cool story in and of itself because you didn't go to lepers' houses unless they were cleansed. And lepers didn't get cleansed of leprosy unless Jesus uh, stepped into their life. I mean, what a cool thing. And here they are. They're sitting in the house of Simon, who was a leper. And, and into this, this house come, comes this woman named Mary. And Mary had a reputation. They, they knew that she didn't have the greatest uh, backstory behind her. But she came in, and the Bible tells us that she was carrying a box of ointment of spikenard. And that's interesting because that, that ointment that she carried in, that spikenard, was, was uh, composed of some of uh, a plant that would have been harvested in the Himalayan mountains. It's a very interesting thing. So, I mean, that was a, a great distance that would have been traveled to gather that plant to make this, this ointment, to make this, this, this perfume that she had. It was very valuable. In fact, later on, we learned that it was, it was worth, Judas tells us, that it was worth about 300 pence or about a year's wages. It was extremely valuable. 
And the Bible tells us in, in John chapter number 12, verse number 3, it says, Then, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his hair with her feet, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Listen to what he said. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Oh, we could have taken that, that precious ointment. We could have sold it and we could have made a bunch of money and then we could have gave it to the poor. I mean, listen to how good I sound. I mean, that's, that's what he was doing. But the Bible clarifies for us in the very next verse. This he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. I mean, like when the Bible, like, you know, gives, I mean, like it doesn't miss. All right. It's, it hits right at it. Okay. He was a thief and had the bag and, and bear what was put therein. Listen, uh, why uh, he was, he was a thief. That's what the Bible says. He didn't care about people. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing hath she kept this for the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. See the, the point was Judas wasn't concerned with demonstrating love for the Savior. Judas wasn't concerned with this, this woman pouring out her love for Jesus. You know what Jesus was concerned with? He was concerned about the money. He was concerned about skimming a little off the top for himself. He was concerned with cheating and, and stealing. He was concerned with, with building his kingdom and getting a little more money for himself. Ultimately, the interaction that took place here was what was the tipping point that Judas would go and betray Jesus to the religious crowd. Yeah, Judas was more than willing to sell out those around him for some money. You don't have to look any further than that bag that contained 30 pieces of silver. That Jesus, Judas took in exchange for the Savior. Why? Because Judas valued possessions more than people. Judas valued possessions more than God. His love of possessions took priority over the person of Christ. You know, God's very clear where our love is supposed to be placed. In Matthew chapter number 22, Jesus said to them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But the rest of all those possessions was on the stand and the testimony was clear. Their love in James's day for those things had consumed their life. They didn't just have stuff, but the stuff had them. And the thought of losing it made them lose their minds, weeping and howling at the thought of losing their things. Their love of stuff had caused them to lie, cheat, and steal from the very people that were making them money. They had a misunderstanding, a misplaced love when it came to possessions, people, and God. Last week I was watching a video of some of the survivors from the tornadoes that had went through the Midwest just here recently. Maybe you caught some of those things. It, it touched a, a especially close to me because one of the, the storms actually went through where my hometown was and completely 
completely wiped out uh, the state park that I grew up going to. And uh, in fact, there was a, a, fa a couple that was there. It was in a in a trailer that were actually killed during the storm. It was an tr absolute tragedy. But they, I was watching a video this last week, and they were interviewing some of the people that had been impacted by the storms. And, and they were talking to, to one family whose house had been completely wiped out. And they were sharing about how, you know, they ran down to the basement and they were hiding in there. And it just sounded like everything was being torn away. And when they came out, the roof was gone and the walls were gone. I mean, it was just, just utter destruction. And uh, they were talking to the family and, and they got around to, to one of the young boys, uh, the kids in the house. And this young man, he couldn't have been more than, I don't know, maybe eight years old, ten years old. And uh, they were asking them for statements and... And the young boy, this is all that he said. He said, well, he said, you can replace everything, but you can't replace us. <laughs> I thought, man, that's, he, get, he got it. I mean, like he realizes, I mean, he could have said, man, my Xbox is gone or my, 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 my toys are gone or, or my bike is gone or, you know, my house is gone. He could have said, but he said, no. He said, you know what I've realized through this? He said, you know, you can replace all the things, but you can't replace us. See, that young man knew something that, that many in the world today don't understand. That people in the Lord are way more important than position, possessions. But sadly, the reality today in the greatest country on earth here in the USA, people are more in love with their stuff than ever. Like those in James' day, they are consumed with their things, their possessions. They live their lives to accumulate more. And sadly, even in the church house. It's done at the expense and honesty and integrity, often at the expense of other people. You know, no one would admit to being willing to sell the Savior for any amount of money. None of us would, would look at ourselves in the place of Judas and think, yeah, I probably would have done that. I mean, all of us, we look at it and we're like, man, Judas. Nobody wants to be a Judas. Nobody wants to sell their Savior for any amount of money. None of us would do that. That's what we tell ourselves. But while we wouldn't say it, why is it that so often we sell him for so much less? We sell our time for him to scroll through some social media posts. We sell our worship for him for sports or the great outdoors. We sell our faithfulness to him when we act like Peter around other crowds and act like we don't even know him. See, if the rust could speak today, if your possessions could shout, what would they say? Would they testify of your willingness to put things over people? Would they testify of your willingness to put possessions over God? If you're a Christian today, and if the rust could speak, what would it say about your Christianity? But here's the most important part of James's message. You see, God knew the heart condition of the rich people James was writing about. He knew their heart. Oftentimes we look and all we can see is the outward of people. Every once in a while people will show you their heart. But most of the time you just see the outward. But God always sees the heart. In James chapter number 5 verse number 4 he said, Behold, the hire of the laborers have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by, by fraud. It crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth, or the, the Lord of hosts. The Bible says the cries of those that had been wronged were heard by the Lord. 
The cries of the rust had testified against them. Their seeking to fill the void in their soul with things had been seen by God. And unless something changed, God saw it and the day of judgment was coming. There was coming a day when they would stand before God and all their things would be gone. And God would ask them, why should I let you into heaven? And they would point to all the goods they once had. But there would be no amount of possessions that would get them in. And God would say to them, based upon your works, you must spend eternity in a lake of fire. We have some firefighters here this morning. I'm thankful for it. Again, we're going to honor them here in just a few moments. And they're willing to risk their lives to put themselves in dangerous situations to rescue other people. To literally lay down their lives for somebody else. They're willing to enter a burning house to save the life of someone else. But friend, there's a real lake of fire that no firefighter will be able to save you from someday. No Christ will rescue you. And if you are trusting in what you've accumulated to get you to heaven, listen, you'll never make it. But for many, they don't trust in their riches. They trust in their their good works. See, most in this room would look and say, listen, Kyle, if I thought it was based on the wealth that I could accumulate to get there, I'm not doing very good. Okay, because I don't have much. But the truth is, is most people, most religion... Tells you, well, here's your list of things that you should do that will get you there. The problem is, is the Bible says it's not of works, lest any man should boast. In Ephesians 2.9. It's by grace that you're saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. See, there's no good thing that you or I could do to get ourselves into heaven on our own. There's no good thing. There's no amount of of wealth that we could accumulate. No amount of good works that we could do that could get us there. But Jesus gives us the answer in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. See, in Romans 5, 8. God commended his love toward us. He demonstrated his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible tells us in Romans 6, 23, that the wage of our sin is death. And so what did Jesus do? Well, last week we celebrated it. But over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on a cross because the wages of sin is death. But what made Jesus different from any person that's ever lived here before or after was that Jesus didn't stay dead. The Bible tells us that he was laid in a tomb. I was thinking about it this last week and, and uh, just the reality that, that if Jesus, some, some say, well, well Jesus uh, didn't really die. You realize that those Roman soldiers that crucified Jesus, that was their job. They were executioners. That was what they did for a living. I mean, probably nearly every day they took somebody out and took their life in some way or another. They were paid executioners. That's what they did. So if they didn't kill Jesus, 
at the very best, it would have cost them their job. More than likely, it would have cost them their life. Do you think they wouldn't have followed through? <laughs> Jesus died on that cross. He paid the wage of our sin. But three days later, the Bible tells us that stone was rolled away and Jesus rose again from the grave. A miracle. Say, I don't believe it. Well, I mean, you can ask, you know, Paul. You can ask Peter, James, John, all of the disciples. You can ask the 500 people that saw him at once. Jesus is alive. He rose again. And because he rose again, the Bible tells us that he paid the wage of our sin. It was death, but he rose again. And because of that, the gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So how do you receive that gift? Well, Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, if Russ could speak, you and I would be declared guilty of our sins. Rich or poor alike, it doesn't matter how much money you have, we're all guilty. But because Jesus gave his life on the cross for you, you can have the promise of eternal life. While the people James was talking about were trying to build their earthly kingdoms, Jesus tells us where to lay our riches. In Matthew chapter number 6, he says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Well, listen, we're moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. Why? For where your treasure is, don't miss it, there will your heart, can we say it this way? There will your love be also. Friend, if rust could speak, it would declare you guilty, but Jesus can declare you innocent. So stop pursuing this earthly kingdom that will fade away and decide today to come to Jesus. If you've never trusted Him as your Savior, your personal Savior, friend, it is not based upon anything that you can do. No matter wealth that you can accumulate, it's based upon one thing and one thing only. Jesus Christ and His death on the cross for you. And friend, the Bible tells us that if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, that you shall be saved. That's what the Bible says, not some man, not me. I'm just telling, I'm just a messenger for what the Bible says. You can know for sure that you have eternity, the promise of eternity in heaven when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and Him alone. Hope this morning, if you've never done that, you'll do it today. And friend, if you do know Christ as your Savior and you're holding on to your things, can I encourage you this morning? They're just going to fade away. So lay it for yourselves treasures in heaven. And that will show where your love will be. Hope today that you'll choose to love God and love people more than anything. Because that's what God commanded us to do. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to open your word for a few moments to be able to study the scriptures. And I pray now that you would speak to hearts. That you'd move in our midst. Lord, you know that, that I'm just uh, uh, an insufficient messenger, but I know that your word is all sufficient. And so, God, I pray that maybe something from your word would shine through today and would convict hearts in the only way that, that you can do it. Not me, but only what your word can do. 
And I pray, God, today that you'd speak to the hearts in this room. Work in each person the way that you desire to. We pray this in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and with eyes closed this morning, we're going to have a time of invitation. This is an opportunity for you to respond to the Lord. We do this each and every week because the purpose of preaching is not just to talk or give, give some message. No, the purpose of preaching is to declare God's word so that we can make a decision. And I hope this morning that God spoke to your heart. If you allowed him, the Bible tells us anytime God's word is open, God speaks. I hope this morning you allowed him to speak. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, right where you're seated, you can put your faith and trust in Him. It's not some weird thing. It's not some funny feeling. It doesn't mean to get up and say something strange. It's, it's, it's none of those things. The Bible doesn't say it's any of those things. It's very simple. It's changing your faith from saying, I'm going to do it myself, or I'm going to trust in something that I can do to get me to heaven, to saying, God, I'm trusting in what you did for me. It's like, how that seems so simple. Yeah, I know. I know. But just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. One of the hardest things to do is to say, I'm not going to trust in myself and what I can do. I'm going to trust in what Jesus did. Hope this morning, if you've never made that decision, that you'll make that decision right where you're seated. If you do know Christ as your Savior, maybe you're holding on to some of those things. God spoke to your heart this morning. Nope, you'll say, Lord, help me to love you above everything and show your love to others around me. First and the second commandment. On them hold paying all the other commandments. If you do those, whew, man, it'll turn your life upside down. heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's stand together. Isaac's going to come and he's going to lead us in a little song here. I hope that you'll sing along with it. Sing it from your heart. Loud Lord, continue.